0: Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where
1: BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Cole Wissinger. Good afternoon, Cougar fans, and it was a good week to be a BYU basketball fan. But a lot of stuff going on in the world of sports. My name is Cole Wissinger, sitting here right next to Sydney Carlson.
2: How you been? It's been a week. It has been a week. It's been a week full of uh, like I'm feeling a lot better. I'm feeling a little sick, but I'm feeling a lot better about the basketball program than right. I was last week. I had a couple of really, really fun wins, and that's what we're going to get to
1: right away here as we do.
3: They drop it downstairs to Yo to the cutter Nixon. Bobbled the pass, but to Harding for another three. Good again, three Connor Harding three threes, and the Cougs lead by eleven. And that lead would go up
1: and up until a final score of BYU 83, UNLV 50, in our first of two games against Nevada opponents last week. It was Dalton Nixon that led the team in scoring with 17-17. Uh, shooting five of seven, a pretty modest uh, volume, I think, but it got the job done.
2: Yeah, it was more like a scoring by committee. We had four players in double digits, and they just got the job done. And it was so good to see Yoli. <laughs> Honestly, I was a little worried when he didn't come back against Utah. I was like, oh, this—he's either just rusty, mm-hmm. or this is more, this is more serious than we thought it was. But came in thirteen points. Did what Yoli does best. <laughs> and
1: a double-double in his first full game back. Yeah. The whole the whole team really came together. And like you said, a committee scoring effort. The bench scored 42 out of the total 80. That's more than half. Yay.
2: <laughs> Those are the, the best and the funnest teams to watch is when it's a full, like a like a team, you know, like like the word team means is to come in. Like nobody's trying to play hero ball. Everybody's just doing what they're supposed to do, and they're getting it done. And we uh, owned the state of Nevada last week, which was kind of <laughs> kind of fun.
1: Because the other game was against UNR.
3: Jumps into the paint, floats it up, and Yoli swats it off the window. Came from nowhere. Haas, Toolson, Barcelo, three good three pointer, left corner, A B for three, and the Cougars by twenty eight. Game-high lead tied, 67-39. Tremendous ball movement and a great finish by Barcello. And that score
1: would go up more as well. BYU 75, the Nevada Wolf Pack 42. So that's a combined, uh, quick math, 155-92 to 92 yeah. against Nevada teams in one week. Guess what? Yoli Childs, second game for a full game, second double-double as well. That's the, the double-double-double for the week.
2: What I'm hoping is happening is coming off that Utah game, this BYU squad is saying, like, I'm going to steal a phrase that I heard from Chad Lewis this week, which was that they came in, remember the Alamo like, like, we're not going to let what happened at Utah get us down or happen again. And so they just came out all guns blazing.
1: And they didn't let up, you know, again, the bench got a lot of action in the Nevada game as well, but they kept scoring and it it kept being efficient, right? At some point in this season, we're going to need that bench and they're getting valuable rep time here in these early Mountain West kind
2: of games. Absolutely. In this game, we had five players scoring in double digits, which is wild. <laughs> Um, I enjoyed that the Nevada official Twitter feed after the game sent out a a final score, and they had BYU's final score, and next to Nevada's it was just like a shrug emoji, like... Sorry, to sorry, which, we didn't show up. To which the
1: Rock or like the official BYU basketball or one of our Twitters retweeted at them with the the score from scoreboard from Space Jam, saying like <laughs> BYU, uh, it's kind of one sided, isn't it? Versus Nevada's forty two. Yeah,
2: which is great for us. I love being on that side of <laughs> Nevada. Because that, that's how I felt after the Utah game is that we were like, like we don't know what to tell you, but to have to like really dominate back-to-back wins coming off of that disappointing loss is really encouraging. And I think that this team is maybe just, uh, they've just decided, you know what, we're better than this and we're going to pick up and move on.
1: And after allowing over 100 points, now granted in overtime, but quite a few points to Utah on defense, Nevada had been scoring pretty well this season. BYU held them to 42. Nevada had been um, their their lowest scoring game before that was in the 60s. So we kind of we put the defense on Nevada, which was encouraging as we look ahead to the coming Cougar schedule. We're getting into that like weird, uh, the student part of the student athlete is coming out this week because it's coming up on finals week. It's going to mm. be Christmas break as well. So we only got one game this week and one game next week as well. But the one game this week? It's today. It's a huge one. It's, yeah. it's Utah State,
2: a Utah State team that is kind of rolling over opponents. They beat Weber State earlier, eighty-nine to thirty-four. Like <sighs> that is a little scary to look at. Um, and obviously, we haven't played Weber State yet to know, like to compare that. But um, that's almost—it's almost mean to beat someone by that much. I'm just like, oh man. He's already dead, guys. He's dead. But um, stop beating the old horse. <laughs> yeah, their only loss is to St. Mary's, and uh, obviously it's an in-state rival, so tensions are going to be higher. I'm glad that we had that game at Vivint Smart Home already, so that we kind of have the feel of the floor, and like those guys are going to be familiar with that setting already, and. Did very well in that setting
1: because this game is the beehive classic is. which is when all the Utah teams kind of hang out at Vivint for a day and and you get to see them happen
2: yeah I mean all of the Utah teams except for poor UVU gets left out in the cold but um oh yeah wait why
1: isn't UVU invited to you that know, sucker
2: I don't know so this was something that started back in 2017 um sponsored by Zions Bank but with in connection with the LHM group uh, I think they just wanted to kind of re- revitalize some of these in-state rivals that have been kind of dormant. Like Utah hadn't played Weber State in uh, since 2011 when they got rolled over by Damian Lillard. And so they said, no, thank, we- no, thank you. We don't want to schedule yeah, Weber State done. anymore. And they had been scheduling Utah State. BYU is pretty good about keeping those in-state rivals on the schedule, but I think they wanted to kind of revitalize that. And so they created this round-robin system where they just rotate through opponents. So we played... Uh, weber state the first year we played utah last year and utah state this year but this is actually going to be the last year so it's been kind of a three and done situation huh. um it's
1: because the round robin's done right it's, I, mean, I guess it's, it's done yeah we're not going to go through it again
2: it would have been nice to see what they could have done with maybe like a like i would have enjoyed some kind of like state championship situation where it's like you play utah and then weber state and utah state play and the winner of those teams play for like a quote-unquote state a championship sure. yeah and so maybe that's why I didn't catch on as much, but yeah, they did just announce that this will be the last year, and so they'll let the teams kind of decide if they want to continue scheduling these teams. And I hope that they do. It's it's fun to because we're in a like a unique situation in Utah where a lot like none of our Utah teams are in the same conferences.
1: Yeah, so you got Utah in the Pac ch- twelve, Pac twelve, formerly the Pac ten, which it's. Been a while, but yeah. I still, <laughs> yeah, my brain still wants to say Pac 10. Utah State's over in the Mountain, the Mountain west. west, the UVU is in the whack are WCC, mm-hmm. and then Weber State is big sky,
2: the big west,
1: big west, maybe it's a it's an FCS ish. It's again, my brain goes to football first, like I can picture the Utah schedule, and so mm-hmm. I know that they're Pac 12, and I that's where my conference realignment goes to, but because Weber State football is not yeah. something that we go up against every single year, it uh, takes me a second to, like, process everything.
2: Big Sky. I think mean, you were right the first time. Nice.
1: One of those one of those conferences. And <laughs> when we do go up against Weber State, next week we'll mm-hmm. have all the—see, this is what it is. I didn't have a chance to research a little bit of Weber State yeah. before next week. We're having our own we'll Beehive be Classic. <laughs>
2: we decided to schedule our own. We got Utah— last week, Utah State this week, and Weber State next week.
1: Maybe that's why I forgot about UVU also, even though we just stole Mark Pope away from there I don't see UVU on our schedule this year. No. How does that happen?
2: It's a great question. Because I that... remember
1: it was it was two or three or four years ago that we lost to UVU, yeah. and it was like mm-hmm. the most dramatic thing that had ever happened to BYU basketball. But yep. then UVU ended up being pretty decent, so that was it wasn't a Coach Pope
2: bad. statement game. He was like, "I'm not here to mess around." Exactly. One cool thing about the Beehive Classic is we do have a chance if we can go in and compete and win against utah state will be the only team that would have been undefeated in the beehive classic right now yeah
1: stats and then then we close it down see that's why it's happening we're going (laughs) to win against utah state and then we're taking our ball and we're going home
2: little did you know it was all a conspiracy a byu conspiracy to be like actually we are the state champions thank you very much
3: we are very much in the place of a growth mindset team right now which is so healthy and these guys are concerned with winning of course but we also have this underlying idea every single day we have to get better we have to get better we want to and for us to beat the teams that we want to be able to beat at the end of the season we have to we don't have any time to waste and as a coach you kind of kind of sit back and be like all right when are when are my guys going to take a breath when are they going to not really really bring it and so far we're 12 games in and that hasn't happened yet and that's that is a tribute to the insides and the the veteran leadership and the, and the commitment of these guys
1: well like i said weber state is in two weeks but we're going to learn more about our opponent today utah state with their former play-by-play guy al lewis when we come back this is the cougar tailgate
2: Welcome back to the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Sydney Carlson, and as we look ahead to tonight's matchup with Utah State, we've brought in a little help. Joining us now on the program is former voice of the Aggies, Al Lewis. Al called more than 1,000 football games and basketball games for the Aggies from 1995 to 2016 and is a synonymous part of the Aggie program. Al, thanks for joining us.
3: No problem. It's uh, good to talk to you.
2: Yeah. So uh, as we look ahead to tonight, um, I just want to get a little bit of your background. So, Talk to us about how you kind of got involved with Utah State Radio.
3: Um, Well, I I was always in Logan. I grew up as a kid uh, watching the Aggies. Uh, I've lived all but three years of my life in Logan. Uh, I've worked at the radio station KVNU here in town. It'll be 48 years this next year. I came up here. I actually started doing some radio when I went to Las Vegas in high school. My father got another job, and that's the only time. I haven't lived in Logan three years, so I've always followed the Aggies, and uh, one of my uh parents' best friends when I was a kid was a guy by the name of Carl Clogas who did Utah State games when Merlin Olsen uh, played and when Cornell Green played in basketball and Max Perry. And so when I was a kid, I watched him and I said, OK, that's the kind of job I want to do. And fortunately, I uh, eventually got a chance for a little while in the 70s and then back again, starting in 1995.
2: You saw it and you went for it and you got it.
3: Yeah. I love that story.
2: <laughs> um, do you have a favorite memory of calling a Utah State game?
3: Oh, well, yeah, well, you know, you've you got lots. I mean, you know, because they've had championships and different things. I mean, it was really neat to, to finally, uh, you know, call a bowl win. Uh, Utah State hadn't been to a bowl game much, and then we got there and actually worked a little bit for um, um, Chris Tunis, who used to do stuff for um, KSL and for BYU a long time back. He lost his voice the night they played the Las Vegas Bowl, so I did his reports for him that year uh, before I got back into – Doing things, but I mean, you know, to to win bowl games, the fourth quarter that they had against Toledo once in a bowl game when Kerwin Williams, who played for a while in the NFL, he had 200 yards rushing in that quarter and just huge plays. Um, Get a chance to, uh, you know, uh, win. Probably the, the number one highlight probably would be how Utah State beat Ohio State in the NCAA tournament. It was Stu Morrill's third year as coach. And uh, the Aggies uh, came back and tied the game in regulation and then won it in overtime and uh, won a game in the NCAA tournament the first time they'd won a game since back in Liddell Anderson's years of uh, coaching the Aggies. So uh, that's probably it as far as an individual highlight. But, uh, you know, players and moments and different places and having a chance to go to all the great football stadiums where Utah State's played uh, and giving a chance to go to all the kinds of NCAA games over the years, all of those are highlights. And, They're all fun. I liked all of them.
2: I was actually going to ask you, you've obviously been around college athletics for a really long time. Is there an arena or a stadium that sticks out to you as having one of the best atmospheres?
3: Well, I got a chance to do a basketball game at Cameron Indoor Stadium in basketball, and that's great to be at Duke. And when Utah State played back there a couple years ago, I had a chance to do a game there uh, that stands out. Uh, I'll tell you, I thought uh, Williams Arena in Minneapolis when Utah State played uh, Minnesota in a preseason NIT right after they'd been to the Final Four. It was one of Larry Eustace's teams. That was a neat building to do a game. You're right on the front of the balcony looking over a raised court. It's, it's kind of a neat old barn place there at Williams Arena at Minneapolis at the University of Minnesota. In football, I mean, LSU, uh, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, all of those places uh, around here we think we've got great home fields we think we have big stadiums but it's nothing like going to a game in the south uh-huh. and having a chance to see how those people react before and after and during the games and to be around those little college towns you know to go into Athens Georgia where you can't find a park anywhere because people from all over Georgia are coming in there and you know to be around the hedges there I mean those kind of things stand out.
2: Oh, I totally agree. We went to—I had the chance to go to Tennessee this year, so I know exactly what you're talking about as far as the fan kind
3: of deal. Yep, with the the boats coming in at the one end of the stadium—that's really neat there. Yeah, it's
2: incredible. Um, I would say though that Utah State boasts a pretty, um, pretty loud and pretty aggressive uh, fan section at the Spectrum. Like, talk to us a little bit about that atmosphere and what you think is unique.
3: the, The home court of the Spectrum. In its days, and I'll tell you, Craig Smith and the Aggies are getting back to that a little bit. The students have been the major part of that. I mean, Utah State gives almost 4,000 tickets a game to the students in a 10,000-seat building. And when they get a big game or they get a BYU or when we used to get Utah coming here or whatever, I mean, it was as loud as any. I mean, when national broadcasters would come in and do games, uh, they'd say, how in the heck is it like this all the time? And you'd have to almost say yes a lot of those years when Stu Morrill had it going before. Uh, when Utah State was on a roll, uh, it's an amazing building. It's loud. You're right on top of the game, uh, and it is a great home court advantage. And, you know, to be honest, BYU's done a pretty good job uh, the last couple of times that they've played in the spectrum. They've probably beaten the Aggies at home about as much as anybody has over, you know, the last uh, 20 to 30 years of basketball. I bet BYU maybe has won as many times as the spectrum as about anybody.
2: Well, we, that's what we like to hear, for sure. But I know it's always a little intimidating <laughs> going up you to the do. spectrum. <laughs> okay, that's right. <what> do. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite memory of calling a BYU USU game or even just being a fan your whole life growing up? Do you have a favorite BYU Utah State memory?
3: I have a memory when I was a kid in the old field house and BYU came to town with a good team. And I remember a guy for Utah State named Pete Eniga. He was an inside player for us, like a six-seven, six-eight guy who couldn't stand anybody. And somebody for BYU made him mad, and all of a sudden there was a huge fight. And I remember guys from both teams running after each other. There was cages at the end of the old uh, field house that we had, and I remember that as a kid. And then the other one that stands out for some reason in mine is when in the 80s, I was doing public address at that time in the spectrum, and Greg Grant stole the ball from Avery Parish at half court and got it in, and we won the game right at the end of regulation to beat BYU in a great comeback. Uh, those are the two that stand out in my mind. I remember one time after a BYU game, I was supposed to interview Dutch Belknap after he was done with the game. And it was a double overtime game at Provo that we lost. And the assistant coach came out and said, Dutch can't come out because he's laying down. <laughs> after that game. And so I talked to one of the assistants after that. So, you know, I remember those things. Uh, uh, th- those kind of things stand out. There have been many, many good uh, BYU Utah State basketball games. Uh, fortunately, they've been a little more competitive than the football games over all the years, yeah. although, you know, it's been a little bit nicer in the last little bit that Utah State's been able to beat BYU a little bit in football. But uh, again, um, the basketball games have been really, really uh, great ones between Utah State and BYU.
2: Who would you say is Utah State's biggest rival? Like, obviously, the rivalry between our two schools has kind of heightened in the last few years, like you said, because football's become more competitive. Would you say BYU's up there as one of the biggest rivals?
3: Oh, it is now because Utah won't play Utah State in either football and basketball. They won't schedule. Uh, They don't want to come to Logan. Utah State doesn't want to just go to Salt Lake, so they don't want to... uh, Neither team wants to play. I mean, and and it's really more on the Utah side than the Utah State side. So BYU's turned over and become that. I think when I was a kid, Utah was a bigger deal uh, than BYU, but it's not now. And until we stay in this conference long enough, and until we beat Boise State a couple times in football to make that a rivalry, or until we can maybe constantly beat San Diego State in basketball, uh, the rivalry will still always, with Aggie fans, be BYU. There's no doubt about it.
2: Yeah, so this game tonight is got all sorts of... It means of, a
3: lot, and again, BYU's does. had the number uh, lately, so Utah State would like to break through, and I mean, I think BYU just overwhelmed Utah State last year, the game in Provo, and... You know, And I think BYU maybe is a better team this year than they were last year. So, uh, I mean, it will be interesting to see Utah State's not at full strength ready to play because of Namias Keita um, just coming back from the knees, played 10 minutes against Fresno, didn't play the other night in the exhibition as they try to get him back into it. He can't play a full game, and that really does affect the Aggies, even though they've actually played pretty well without him. But um, we'll see if they have enough. Yeah. Utah State's going to have to shoot the ball well to have a chance in this game against BYU.
2: Sure. They've been putting up insane numbers. We were talking earlier about uh, the game against Weber State, where they just destroyed Weber State. Oh. So it's, <laughs> it was they've, they've been a fun team to, to watch this year.
3: Like that. I mean, I've never seen a team dominate a game like that. But, again, you have to remember, BYU didn't have their best player. And BYU did a pretty good job without Yoli Childs. Utah State did a pretty good job without Nami Keda so far. Childs is more back into it now with obviously he didn't have the physical limitations when he came back. And it's going to take a while for Kata to get in there for the Aggies to be really good. But neutral floor, uh, Utah State's going to have to get a good start and shoot the ball well is what I think in this game.
2: Well, Al, thank you so much for uh, talking to us. Do you have any final thoughts about tonight's matchup and what you're kind of expecting?
3: Well, and again, you've got, you got kickers uh, when they've added the transfer from Arizona and the, and the transfer from Utah Valley, who we saw Jake Toulson last year. Utah State did a great job on him. I know, if, uh, as I've watched great basketball players or great players or great athletes over the years, when somebody held them down or stopped them the game before, they usually have a good game. So look out for Toulson tonight because Utah State did a great job on him when they played Utah Valley last year in the game they played in the spectrum. And uh, on the other side, you know uh, – uh, if Utah State can, I mean, this Justin Bean is something, and if he can get something done against Yoli Childs, it's getting done against a good, strong inside player. And Bean's been able to do it against LSU and against some good teams. So let's see what happens.
2: It has been a privilege to talk to someone of your incredible experience and know, like you know, so it's much been about a, this game been and about
3: time. That's that's what happens. You get to be, you know. you're you, if things start to melt in your mind, you can't remember all the things you'd like to remember. Wow, but if I could run. remember It's always great when you State you get together. If
2: I can remember half of what you recalled in this interview, I'm in good shape. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We're talking to uh, Al Lewis, former voice of the Aggies. Uh, and as we look ahead to tonight's matchup, we'll have more on the Beehive Classic coming up.
1: into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wissinger with Sidney Carlson who just finished talking to Al Lewis and teaching us I think all a little bit more about the history of Utah State basketball.
2: Uh Yeah there's very few people that know more about the program than Al. Uh, 45 years in radio and he called over a thousand Utah State basketball and football games. Like can't We're get a
1: better source than that. Lucky to have him on. He was the best and as we look forward to today against Utah State, against one of our in-state rivals as part of the Beehive Classic, we got to thinking about the other schools in Utah. We talked about the schools that are invited up there to Vivint. Uh, we did sort of neglect earlier on to mention that SUU also plays Division I basketball. Yeah, sorry sorry Cedar Thunderbird City.
2: fans out there.
1: <laughs> but I, I only realized that as I looked up, the different uh, D1 basketball schools by state. We just got done beating two, and the only two Division One basketball schools in the state of Nevada. We've got all kinds of Utah schools on our schedule now. But Sydney Carlson, do you know which state has the most Division One basketball?
2: Oh gosh, I'm gonna have to wild guess on this one. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna try and guess easy. Texas because it's enormous.
1: Ooh, so Texas had the most football because Uh, of course they do. California has the most basketball, and we should know because about half of them are in the WCC and we're over there playing during our conference tournament. I mean, we're going to get a chance to talk a lot of California basketball once we get into conference play Um, Thursday and Saturdays, spending the whole weekend just in the 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 Gold State. (laughs) <laughs> Shoot, what's California? The, gold, yeah, the, golden, the golden State. The Golden State? Is that what they call it?
2: Yeah. That's yeah. where the
1: Warriors got it? I almost said Sunshine State because it's sunshine sunny. Sunshine State is Florida. definitely Florida. I know. How many schools does Florida? I mean, so...
2: You know what, though? There's way more sunshine in California. Being right. a former Southern California resident, I can tell you it is sunshine like 98% of the year, and it rains a lot in Florida. So... Florida, where do you where do you get the nerve to call yourselves a sunshiny? Maybe it's because they were a state
1: first. They got dibsies,
2: mm, probably. Because like
1: back when there were only
2: thirteen, very and true. then a couple
1: more. Like Florida was a little bit after that, but like you know, they were the sunshiniest of. You know, between Maine and New Hampshire and Pennsylvania and Michigan. (laughs) Uh, We talked about Florida schools when it was football time. Right. And we know that there were seven of them. And we know our football team is uh, sort of unfortunately 0-8 now against Florida schools. There's a couple more in basketball. Right. You're familiar with the University of Florida, uh, Central Florida and Florida State and all of those that we mentioned. Uh, But basketball schools do some work in Florida as well and get to the tournament. Florida A&M, Florida Gulf Coast. A 15 seed. Florida Gold the
2: Gulf Coast. It's not, not every that, day that a 15 seed. They had that Cinderella seed. run. Yeah. Exactly.
1: They, and not only winning just one game, but like moving yes. on in the tournament. Uh-huh. Sweet 16. Do you know which state has the least number of D1 basketball schools? We know mm. California's got the most at 24, by the way.
2: I'm going to say New Hampshire.
1: Ooh, great guess. New Hampshire has the University of New Hampshire, so they have at least one. About one?
2: Are there, is there one with no basketball? Alaska
1: has oh. none, right? <laughs> so normally we think of the map of the United States, and then down here in the corner there's Alaska and Hawaii. Hawaii definitely has one. Uh, Hawaii absolutely and we're gonna uh, you know be making the where you and I aren't but the football team is making a trip to Hawaii to play a little bit of a football game against the University of
2: Hawaii heard it here first folks just kidding you absolutely did not
1: but it's the the first time we've learned (laughs) it right since last Saturday since we've had a chance to talk to you we have learned that even though BYU's known that they were going to be in the Hawaii Bowl for weeks yeah it turns out we get a true away game and a bowl game when right. we play
2: Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii gets that automatic bid to the Hawaii Bowl. So here we come, here we come, Rainbow Warriors.
1: <laughs> but the Rainbow War, the University of Hawaii at Manoa, also plays some basketball too. D one. That's the only they have the one as well.
2: That's surprising to me. Um, yep. New Hampshire
1: apparently has more than one though. Hold on, let me go down the list alphabetically. New Hampshire. Oh, Ivy League.
2: Dartmouth is in New Hampshire. I'm not sure I knew that information until just now. See, uh, yeah. If
1: you ask me where Brown or Cornell or Dartmouth or, you know, I know that those are Ivy. (laughs) I mean, uh, Harvard is... Harvard's
2: in Boston.
1: Yeah. I knew that. MIT is there too, but MIT's... Yeah, yeah. I don't think they do basketball, right? But like Harvard is Harvard.
2: Yeah. Uh, Princeton, that's like... Princeton's in uh, New Jersey.
1: I would have guessed Rhode Island. There's one in Rhode Island, isn't there? Isn't one of the... I suppose I, I could, could you know, wrong. look at this. Oh, Brown is the one that's in Rhode Island. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's for Rhode Island. Rhode Island's only like this big, right? Rhode Island's the size of Salt Lake County. It's, um, you, you or smaller, probably. Uh, Brown <laughs> University, Bryant University, Providence College, and the University of Rhode Island are all, all, in, in, there. Rhode Island. all in Rhode Island. All play D1 ball.
2: What about Connecticut? I bet you got UConn and Yale...
1: UConn is like the flagship as yeah. far as Connecticut goes, and through the tournament and everything, sure. we know well, their men and women's teams are. Oh my God, dominant. especially women's basketball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Central Connecticut State University. Sure,
2: sure. The power we that they know. are. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, then UConn, Fairfield, Hartford, Quinnipiac, Sacred Heart, and it's not Harvard, but it's Yale. Yale yeah. is the one that's in Connecticut. In a. Never in- underestimate geography. <laughs> um, Ohio was another one of the ones I remember. Ohio and Pennsylvania when we talked. So this is this is a sequel segment. I'll say, uh, Terry South and I had a conversation about different states' football programs mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago on the show when it was football season. But it's basketball now, so we got to familiarize ourselves with the basketball map. And honestly, being in the WCC and playing other Utah teams, BYU doesn't become too familiar with that. East Coast jumble that we're talking. right? Ohio and Pennsylvania, though, were the two states that had the most D1, 2, and 3 combined football programs, right? Texas is Texas. Yeah. They've got the most D1 football. But it's actually Ohio and Pennsylvania that have an underestimated amount of tiny schools. Uh, D1 basketball, they're about middle of the pack, both of them. Ohio's, Ohio and Pennsylvania, both in the teens, right? Nothing to match California's 24. But uh, Ohio specifically, the one that I would like to mention, one of my favorite teams growing up, was Xavier University.
2: Xavier. Because
1: when I was like nine years old <laughs> and I was filling out my very first college basketball bracket, <laughs> I saw that there was this team that I had never heard of before— And their names started with an X. And so I picked them to go to the Elite Eight. And guess what? They did. And I beat in this little like bracket challenge between me and my nine-year-old buddies that actually watched college basketball. Uh, I won because I predicted that Xavier would move on way past when they should have. And so since then, I feel an obligation to Xavier to pick them for at least one round every year that they are in the tournament. And it normally, uh, it pays off for me. Me and Bill Murray.
2: (laughs) Me and Bill Murray. The Xavier Musketeers. I just, for some reason, their name rang true to me that we, the BYU had played them. And sure enough, 2007, uh, lost two points in the uh, tournament. So, not one of my favorite teams, Cole. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why.
1: (laughs) It was, I mean, 2007, yeah, I was... Yeah, this was, this was a, bit, a bit before that. But it was very disappointing whenever I started getting into college football that I learned that Xavier didn't play college football. It was ju- It's just a basketball, just basketball. obligation for me.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, all right.
1: But, uh, yeah, so Texas, right? We mentioned you thought that Texas might have quite a few, and they do. 21 schools wow. in the state of Texas that play college To basketball. California's 24? To bas- Yeah, to California's 24. Can you remember a couple of them?
2: And u t yeah well, we played u t Tyler earlier on in the year in preseason, right in preseason, mm-hmm. yep, that one counts, uh
1: I'm texas a and m well, I got I got one for you. I was in Texas just traveling around for fun about two months ago, and I drove by the statue of a one Sam Houston. Now, I don't know what he did to contribute to the state of Texas to deserve a statue, probably something impressive, but I recognize the name because Sam Houston State is a school that has been to the NCAA tournament before. And honestly, when I first passed it, I, I had uh, in the corner of my eye, I thought it was Stephen F. Austin— Another guy with a last name that matches a city in the state of Texas that also uh, has a basketball school. So that's a couple other. Again, I know my Texas geography not because I have been there the one time, but because of college basketball.
2: You got Texas Tech.
1: Mm hmm. AM, Baylor. How about a couple of. Oh, Baylor. Um...
2: There was a game we played Baylor in the Marriott Center. I'm not sure. It would have been probably 2012. One of the loudest basketball games I have ever been to, like Cougar Nation came out strong and they were ready to stick it to Baylor that i for some reason, that is the one thing when I hear Baylor is I think of that basketball game
1: and of course, this year, our memories of the state of Texas in basketball are traveling to Houston and That's T right. j is getting a game winning buzzer beater. Buzzard they beater. also got a, quite a few of the the Christian colleges as well. Houston Baptist University is down there. Um, Southern Methodist University, SMU, they play some basketball. Uh, Texas Christian University, TCU, TCU. they also play basketball. But you got some of those uh, small Christian colleges that are also in Texas.
2: Awesome.
1: All over the map. Now, when we look at BYU's schedule, right, we're going to be stuck in California and then Portland a little bit as well with our WCC. But before we get into WCC play, we have one more team. So we got Utah State. And Weber State in the next two weeks, and then there's one more on the schedule, Oral Roberts University. Yep. Sydney, do you know off the top of your dome where Oral Roberts
2: is? Uh, Well, I did uh, not just Google it to find out that it was in Oklahoma. There you go. Oral Roberts, another name that I feel like comes up in the NCAA tournament every once in a while.
1: But really, you don't have to know it's in Oklahoma because they're coming to the Marriott Center, so... Not not even travel uh, geography related there. But that's a little bit of the college basketball map to go along with the uh, football map that we hung up earlier on in the year on the Cougar tailgate. When we come back, we're going to take you into the fan experience in the Marriott Center with Mitch Dietrich, the guy behind the music in the stadium. That's when we come back. Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. My name's Cole Whistinger. This is Turbulence by Steve Aoki, which gets us in the mood... For some basketball around these parts, in the Cougar Tailgate, we try to give you the whole fan experience, but there's a certain part of the game day vibe that just doesn't translate when you watch it on TV or listen on the radio, and that's what we want to bring to you today. I've got Mitch Dietrich. He is a marketing intern for BYU Athletics, and his specific job is to be in charge of all that music that you hear in the stadium. Mitch, welcome on the show.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: So let's start off. First off the bat, what is your favorite song to play? BYU football, BYU basketball games.
0: I would say Sweet Caroline or something that really just gets the fans involved. So usually when we play a song like that, it tends to mean that we're ahead and that kind of lightens the mood of the game. So it's really fun to see the whole crowd sing along to one of the songs.
1: What is what's the key to finding a good sing-along song? Because Like, I know songs that I know every word to, but I'm sure that, you know, 20,000 Screaming fans don't all know the Beatles, right, like something or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, that's definitely been a fun challenge because there are times where it's trial and error where I'll throw up a song and I'm like, I love this song. Hopefully everyone sings along. along." And then um, it's not as well known as I've thought. And there are other times that I'm pleasantly surprised. I think we played a remix of Ain't No Mountain High. And the crowd seemed to love it, and everyone was singing and jumping up and down. And so I think that's just really fun when people do know the lyrics and can dance to your songs.
1: Okay, so there weren't a lot of lyrics in Turbulence, which I heard for the first time uh, when you told me about it just before we started. (laughs) What's the background to that specific song?
0: To be honest, it's been a tradition for BYU for quite some time. I don't remember what year it dates back to but ever since i've been a student here at byu it's a third quarter break we'll have cosmo come out and he'll do the y clap and, that, and explain
1: that to us too Yeah, because so, this is for people like living in maine right now that are byu fans that just have never been to the games before yeah what is this what's the y clap what's that
0: it's a really cool fan experience so this year we've actually developed something new where cosmo has a, a rolling stand that people wheel out to half field and cosmo has a drum that's mic'd up so the whole fan all the fans can hear it he'll hit it twice so it'll be like a boom boom clap and that progress will rock you yeah it's kind of yeah and so everyone will hold their hands above their head and every time the clap happens they'll clap with um cosmo and it builds up faster and faster and then when he's just banging the drum and everyone's clapping then that's when we kick it to Turbulence. Gotcha. And so with Turbulence the, the fans will be jumping up and down and then as soon as the drop hits the students in the rock will take big flags and hoist them all the way up to the top of the student section so we have three flags. And it's just a fun tradition we've been doing for a while.
1: And that's where like, the flag's kind of on top of everyone and that's where you see it's like, it's, it's like the flag is alive with the beat to the song because everyone's like pushing it up from yeah, underneath. And... exactly.
0: And it's just a fun tradition we've had for a while. And it's just a staple, I guess, for BYU fans and The Rock especially.
1: So how do you how do you think fans can impact a game in things like that?
0: Oh, I think the fans have a huge part where it makes my job. I I feel a lot of pressure because I feel like the the fans, the music do um, impact the game in a positive way, where if you can get people excited up on their feet, cheering, the fans are yelling. It makes it really hard for the other team when they're on offense to concentrate or hear themselves talk. And so if we can cause the other team to cause a timeout because of how loud the stadium is, that's when my job has succeeded or when the fans, I guess, when we all win, is just trying to throw off the other team and give that home court advantage to our players. You're,
1: You're important. You're like our conductor, right? All the fans are out there and you're the one kind of giving them the cues. How do you ride the tone of the game right like how do you how do you know when to play a really upbeat song or if we're down by 50 like how does that make your job harder
0: it's been really hard so this is actually my first season doing music for um BYU athletics for football and basketball Mm -hmm. I've done volleyball before and that's a little bit easier because it's just on me I think at volleyball games it's just the music computer but we have to deal we have band that also switches off with us and so at the beginning of the season, I used to kind of script out my music and say, hey, at this quarter, it might be good or this break. But I've realized every, every time out or every quarter, it's, every game's different. And so I'll, I've grouped all my songs into different categories of hype, sing, dance along. Gotcha. And I, I, I play it by ear, which might not be the best thing. But a lot of the times I'll see how the game's going and I'll try to match that energy, if not... Build it up even higher. And so, if we're going back on defense, I want to bring the energy and do something a little more hype. If we're up by 20 points, maybe we sing and dance. And so, it's just something I. Leave to my own discretion at times, but for better, for worse. So, yeah.
1: And does this change the way whenever you're in the stands, do you now notice the music a little more than you used to?
0: Yeah, it's almost ruined um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, watching sports for me because even if I'm watching on TV, I'll try to be listening when we're coming out of break, what songs they're playing. Or, yeah, I went to the Washington game last year for BYU. I went to Tennessee, and I'm very conscious of everything that they're playing, and I open my notes, my phone, and I'm writing down kind of their their go-to songs and trying to get ideas or just understand what they do in there. Their programs. You got to
1: clock in before you do that. Get paid. You're yeah. on the job. <laughs> what are some of the rules that you have to follow? Because if the opposing team's kicker is out there for the game winner, you're not allowed to just all of a sudden another yeah. one bites the dust or something, right? Like, what it, what are your rules? You got to follow.
0: So the rules is, um, as soon as the the ball's in play, and this is for basketball and for football, um, I shouldn't be playing any music. And so my key indicator for that in football is if the opposing team's going on offense. I want to get the fans crazy, going wild, especially on third down. And as soon as the setter reaches down for the football, I'll cut music. Gotcha. Because that's when the play's about to start. And I actually kind of got in trouble for that the first game against <laughs> Utah this season. You know, I was is probably um, pretty passionate. I, I wanted that win. And so mm-hmm. I was playing the music a little longer than I should have. And so we were talking on headsets to a whole production crew. And so I got some people saying, hey. Let's be a little more careful about playing music into the play. So, gotcha. that's kind of the the line I have to watch.
1: <laughs> I like it. And then so what what's maybe a a thing that you didn't expect to come with the job? Like um like some of the red tape you got to get through in order to approve a song or what what goes on behind the scenes?
0: Yeah, so it's been fairly Difficult, I would say, because oh. here at BYU, we have such a unique um, environment, which I think at the end of the day is a great thing. We're a church school, and so we have to be very conscious of what our songs are saying. And so I I have to find clean songs. And so if there are songs that are great, I have to make sure they're clean. And even though things might be bleeped or blurred out, they some songs still sound like they're swearing. And so I have to watch for that. And then even beyond that, we have to make sure that the connotation of the song or who the artist is, is essentially in line with BYU, because um, there are so many fans that go to games and it's I'm I have to please all these different demographics. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's balancing. It's kind of like a, a circus act where I'm balancing, you know, our church standards and also trying to please fans, get them excited. All while maintaining the morals of BYU and what we stand for as a school.
1: And getting the players excited too. Do players ever come to you with requests or I mean, I know in baseball they got walk up songs. Do you ever get that kind of thing in basketball and football?
0: Yes. So I actually prefer I, I I've played for men's volleyball, women's volleyball, um, men's basketball, and men's football, and I always try to ask the players what songs they like, because at the end of the day, it's, it's them going in to battle against other teams, and I want to get them excited or play songs that get them into it. And so... Um, one of the first ones I can think of was Gabby on the men's volleyball team. He's um, He asked to play Old Town Road.
1: Which I've heard of. Yes, the Little
0: nah <laughs> song. I'm sure everyone's heard of it this year. It, and this was actually before it really blew up. And so when he asked for it, I was, I was kind of stunned. I was like, what is this song? I hadn't heard of it. And we would play it right when he would go up to serve. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of fun. And then recently, Mary Lake on the women's volleyball team, I'm sure everyone's heard of her. She asked for um, Workout by J. Cole. <laughs> and it's been fun because um, when, I, when I play the song and I, I saw her like during the game, right before the serve, she's kind of lip syncing the words and she's getting into it. And recently, too, the basketball team gave me a playlist of what they work out to. And so pregame, I was playing Hotline Bling by um, Drake. Drake, yeah. And I saw Yoli kind of, you know, getting into it. And so when I can see the players or the fans getting into my music, that's where it really pays off for me. And to see, like, visually that they are getting into it and that they enjoy it, that's kind of the cues I take that I'm doing a decent job.
1: Have your music tastes changed at all doing this job? Like, do you find yourself, when you go to the gym, playing some of the songs that you recognize from the games?
0: Yeah, definitely. I was actually asked to make a mix for pregame for basketball recently. And so I created a 30-minute mix of songs that the players gave me. They gave me kind of a playlist, and I had to filter through it. To be honest, most of the playlist was things that I probably shouldn't be playing at the Marriott yeah, Center. Right. And so I edited a 30-minute um kind of pregame workout playlist for the team but every time I go to the gym I listen to it and that's been the past month so it definitely has altered my taste and I yeah I definitely like to to work out to to similar things and I try to to play music that I enjoy too and so if I don't enjoy it and if I can't get into it I wouldn't expect the fans to do it either.
1: And what's next what's next for you, you going to start doing wedding playlists and things like that
0: <laughs> It's funny that you actually mentioned that one of my coworkers he asked me he's like, "Hey, um, have you ever done weddings before?" <laughs> and he asked me to do that, and it's interesting because I will say i'm I'm not the most qualified person for this job I'm, I'm super honored to to be to have the opportunity to play music at these games, and it's still a learning curve for me, and so I love. Um I think what the important thing for me is just influencing people in a positive way. If I can see on the JumboTron if we're doing a Lip Sync Camera dance cam a kid and their their parents dancing or just getting into it it's really it's really gratifying and so yeah i guess I, I could try to get into weddings you know but um for now i think i'm just gonna stick with basketball and football games
1: well you do it well mitch dietrich is in charge of the music this the stuff behind the scenes when the fans are up and dancing and singings at byu uh, men's and women's volleyball in the past and football and basketball right now thank you very much for coming on the show. i appreciate it Paul. thank you when we come back we'll wrap up the show you're listening to the cougar tailgate Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wissner sitting here with Cindy Carlson. And thank you so much to Al Lewis and Mitch Dietrich for coming on the show, sharing a little bit of their expertise on Utah State and music, respectively. I don't know. Al Al Lewis might have a little bit of music knowledge we didn't tap into. We might (laughs) could have. Um, When I was talking to Mitch, I, I got to thinking about the one song that you hear during football and basketball games that we didn't talk about. And you hear it every time. Sydney, it's the national anthem. Oh, We yeah, never talked yeah. about that. And I just so happen to know that you <laughs> oh, have <no>. a history. <laughs> what was it like, Sydney, standing up in front of thousands and thousands of screaming people singing the national anthem?
2: You know, it, it something fun fact about me, dear listeners, <laughs> I don't mind s- singing in front of large groups of strangers. Weirdo. I know, right? What What is weird is you do a mic check before, and um, so I... I'm close with a lot of people on the athletic staff because I work in athletics. I am also on the athletic staff. And so you do a mic check before and nobody's in the stadium except for, um, you know, my friend Jared, who I work with on the corporate sponsorships team, and Stu, our social media guy, they're just hanging out on on the scores table before the game. And I start singing and I got so nervous that those two people that I knew were listening, even though within an hour and a half, you know, a couple thousand people were going to be listening to me. Mm-hmm. Didn't care about that. I'm able to shut my brain off in that moment, but I got but so nervous. But when you nervous. know it's those two. When it's people that I know that I'm going to have to like interact with later on... That's that's what gets me nervous. I don't know what it is.
1: There are two things that always impress me when I hear a national anthem. First, that anyone can sing an octave and a half or whatever the heck that song freaking takes Who, you on a yeah. journey Who through.
2: Whoever wrote that song really hated vocalists.
1: Poor, poor, I mean, I, I'm also a hockey fan. Oh, Canada, much more of a doable yes, national anthem. It's I just
2: like it. in a nice little sweet spot.
1: Number two, though, is that anyone can remember the words. Oh. I, especially, especially the slower you sing, mm. right? Like, so the Super Bowl last year, there were bets on how long it would take the to. (laughs) to sing the whole national anthem and i think she 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 went long um so those that took the over got the victory but uh the slower you sing the more you know the rocket's red glare and the the bombs bursting in air start to blend in with (laughs) uh going through the night that the flag was still there right like Uh it's supposed to rhyme but the slower you go you don't remember what you're supposed to rhyme to Uh and
2: it's a song you've heard your whole life and then the second you get up there to sing it it's like you've never you've never heard the song in your life, like somebody has just handed you the words, and you're supposed to go out there and sing it even though you know it, mm-hmm. so I sympathize with people who get blasted on social media Oof. when they forget the words because there is an element where it's like okay i've I know this song, I've practiced it a hundred times, but there's an element of getting up there and shutting your brain off to the fact that you're you know performing in front of thousands of people and Getting a little complacent, maybe, with the words, and all of a sudden you're standing up there, you're drawing a blank, and the crowd is having to help you out.
1: <laughs> See, I love singing. Singing's one of my little guilty pleasures, right? I've never done it for anyone, but I just enjoy doing it. Uh, words are not my specialty. I'm sometimes impressed. <laughs> I can remember that Sweet Caroline goes, dump, dump, dump. Like, <laughs> i really i i just kind of blend the words whenever i end up singing and so if i was ever ever if, if someone got the dumb idea to have me sing the national anthem for like a little league game i would have a piece of paper two inches from my face making sure i remembered oh. every single word
2: listen i know some people that can get you to do it at the marriott center you should not have told me that so um,
1: not <laughs> not a professional singer by any by any stretch um but, yeah, impressed by anyone that gets up and does it, and it's just another part of the musical tapestry that makes up live sporting events yeah. that sometimes you miss out on on TV.
2: Yeah, some of that game day experience. Yeah, it's yeah, that's true. They don't normally do it on TV except in the, for the big games. They get an, a special artist to come and do it. We actually have had some really amazing like high school, junior high choirs do it that Aww. are so impressive. And they file in like a cute little army choir. And they just, I, I don't know, they are it's really impressive to see what those kids can do. Super
1: professional out of the kids. Yeah. Great. Well, we've had an awesome time here on the Cougar Tailgate covering all the, the music that you hear at the game and especially getting you ready for Utah State. Tip-off is at...
2: 6 o'clock p.m., Mountain Time.
1: So we are T-minus five hours and a little bit until Utah State, they were ranked earlier this season, still have a fantastic team, 10-1 record. Right now ESPN's little like pie graph, but it's not a pie, it's a donut, their little donut graph yeah. thing, gives Utah State a 50.1% chance to win this game. That's doable. Um, we can do this, yeah, Scooter fans. This has been a production of BYU Radio. My name's Cole Wissinger. That's Sydney Carlson, and if you want to get in touch with the show, you can contact us at CougarTailgate, Cougar, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, at gmail.com. If you missed any of the show today and you're curious what Al Lewis had to say about Utah State and you got some hours to kill before tip-off, go check out the podcast. You can get that wherever you get your podcasts, on Google Play, Apple, or Spotify, any other kind of store that you go to to get that. Or catch us every single week, every Saturday, even through the Christmas break, right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143, and 107.9 FM in Utah County.
2: Go Cougs!